communion meditation for today comes from Psalm 130. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should keep iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than those who watch for the morning, yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. This Psalm 130 has been loved by many Christians through the centuries. Martin Luther called this Psalm a Pauline Psalm. It was one of his favorites, and that's because the same gospel that the Apostle Paul teaches in his epistles is also taught so clearly in this Psalm. But there have been other Christians as well who have loved this Psalm. Edgar Harrell was a US Marine who fought in World War II he, in July 1945, he was stationed in the Pacific Ocean aboard the ship the USS Indianapolis. And his ship was struck by Japanese torpedoes. The ship sank, and he and his fellow soldiers were thrust into the waters of the ocean. They were able to get their life jackets on, but they, had to, they were just left floating on the ocean. They got attacked by sharks. They were, suffered dehydration, and they didn't know if they could would ever be rescued. Edgar Harrell was a Christian, and he prayed this psalm to the Lord very fervently during this time. As he was floating on the water, he cried to the Lord out of the depths of the ocean. And finally, after five days, he was spotted by an American plane, and he and his fellow soldiers were rescued, 300 out of a crew of 1,200. Well, this psalm is a song of ascents, but it begins in the depths, and it consists of four parts, and the first is the depths, and we see that in verses one to three. These depths are not the depths of the ocean, but they are depths that are even worse than that, the depths of sin. The psalmist is here is overwhelmed with a sense of his own sin and his sinfulness, and he's crying out to the Lord, relief. And in verse three, he says, if you, Lord, should mark or keep iniquities, who could stand? The Lord knows everything we say. He knows everything we do. He knows every thought we think. And if the Lord were to write down in a book every one of our sins, then what would happen if we tried to stand before the Lord and he used that book as the basis on which he judged us? Who could stand? Not one of us could stand. We would all have books that full of our sins that would be bigger than we could, you could, could even imagine. And the psalmist is thinking about, about this. He knows that none is righteous, that all of us fallen and all of us are sinners, and that the wages of sin is death. But that is not the end of the story because there is not only the depths we see, but also the rescue in verse four. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. God forgives sin. And he forgives sin because the Lord Jesus Christ became man, 
lived a perfect life and died on the cross in the place of sinners, that he bore the wrath of, the wrath of God and sinners. And because of that, God does not keep a record of sins so as to punish them, but he blots them out in his mercy. And the Psalm, not only, this verse not only tells us that the Lord forgives sin, it tells us why the Lord forgives sin. It says, there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. That the Lord forgives our sins so that we might fear him and so that his name might be glorified. And the fear of the Lord is a, a holy reverence of him. That the Lord sets his people free so that they might serve him. Second Corinthians 5 says, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Thirdly, we see the duty in verses five and six. And that is to wait and hope in the Lord. The psalmist knows the psalmist knows that God has forgiven sins, but he also knows that he still he still sins, that he still experience, uh, struggles with sin. And so in these verses, he looks to the Lord. He waits on the Lord and he hopes in the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is looking to him. It is believing his promises and acting in faith, trusting in his sovereignty and his timing. The psalmist looks to the Lord knowing that he is the only one who can deliver him from sin. And this waiting is not passive, but it's full of longing and full of expectation. The psalmist says, I wait for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Uh, in those days, cities would have been, were guarded by watchmen and the watchmen would take turns and they would watch through the night to guard the city, make sure everything was okay. And the watchman that took the last shift would be waiting eagerly for morning to come because then he could be relieved of his shift and he could rest. And that's the kind of eagerness and longing with which we are to wait on the Lord. In fact, we're to wait even more eagerly than the watchman who watches for the morning. And then in verses seven and eight, we see the reason for the hope we have. And, in, and that, that is God's steadfast love and his abundant redemption. The psalmist gives us those as two reasons to hope in the Lord. And the psalmist here addresses all of God's people. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. He is not only concerned for his own salvation, but he is concerned for all the people of God. And he gives us these two reasons why we can wait and hope in the Lord with complete confidence. The first is with the Lord, there is steadfast love. This is the Hebrew word hesed, which is, it can be translated mercy or loving kindness or, but it has the idea of God, that a love that is steadfast and that is sure because it is based on God's covenant faithfulness and his covenant promises. It's a love that will never cease. The Lord loves his people before the foundation of the world when he chose them. And we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And secondly, with the Lord, there is abundant redemption. To redeem means to buy out of slavery. And all people by nature are slaves of sin and slaves of Satan. But the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross to redeem his people from that slavery, to set them free from slavery to sin and Satan to redeem us with his own precious blood, and he will complete the work he has begun. With him is abundant redemption. He will redeem his people from all their iniquities, not just some of them, but all of them.
And this is the good news that we celebrate when we partake of the Lord's Supper. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross is perfect because of his death and resurrection. Our sins can be forgiven and we can be redeemed from our iniquities. So brothers and sisters, do you feel like you are in the depths today? Do you feel overwhelmed by your sin? Wait on the Lord and hope in the promises of his word. Come to this table in faith that the Lord loves you, that he forgives your sins, and that he will redeem you from all your iniquities. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can cry to you from the depths. We thank you that you do not keep a record of our iniquities, but that there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Open our eyes to see the depths of our sin, but also the heights of your mercy and your love. Thank you for redeeming us from both the guilt and the power of sin. Help us to wait on you and to hope in you. Please cause us to approach this table in faith, rejoicing in your forgiveness and trusting you to redeem us from all our iniquities. In Jesus' name, amen.